Welcome, my noble thespians and my happy troop of theater trolls. I'm your host, Dawn Westbrook, the biggest troll of them all, with my glass of Chardonnay. I hope you'll join me with a glass of something. And for the next few minutes, we're going to focus on the craft of acting, the art of directing, and embracing the process of this crazy career in the theater. I have some wonderful interviews lined up in the coming weeks, and this week is no exception. But first, this week's podcast is being brought to you by the Martha Hill Newell Playwrights Fund, whose commitment is to both local and national playwrights, and holds the belief that the relevance and vitality of American theater depends on the continual infusion of new works. John, here we are finally after a week of trying to do this. Oh and my to connect. god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. It was crazy. It was truly crazy. It it, it was. proves how how great technology is in 2020. Yeah, how great and also how horrible. It it start, it did the same thing for me with you that it did with me in week 2 with Michael. In the yeah. middle of trying to get this together, it decided it was going to update as I was trying to create another Zoom meeting with you. And wow. it kind of delayed me. It was horrible, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. But anyway, the files were not corrupt. We are here together to talk about directing, the, the art of direction. And yes. first of all, darling, what are we drinking? We know what I have. I am drinking one of my favorite things. What this is that? This is a sugar-free Snapple um, Cranberry Raspberry. Oh my goodness. Well, hard that, to find, actually. It's a it, little hard to find. Really? Yeah. Do, yeah. do, you, buy, do you buy it in bulk? I, I, when I see it and it's on sale, then I'll get like four or five, yeah, uh, it's, you know, eight packs. Right. Well, and, cheers to you, darling. Here cheers we are. to you. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Oh. a little virtual cheers. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Take a little sippy. Mm. Mm. It's oh, very good. Goodness. And it probably mixes well with other things. So You know, you know. what? I was going to say a little gin would get that right up on its feet. <laughs> <laughs> so we have only met one other time, I think, after a show you directed, Stupid Effing Bird. I, I think so. And I, th I actually think I also came to a, a Christmas party at your house. Oh, you know what? I bet you did. But there were a million people there and you were, you know... Flitting having a flitting. fabulous time, yeah. So well, we 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 probably were having a, a wonderful time, and I'm glad you yeah. got to come. Oh, it was wonderful, and it was a really nice party. And your house is beautiful. So oh, well, thank Great. you so much. And right now, as I said, my husband is redoing our bathroom. So if we hear sawing in the background or yes. a scream like I've lost a finger, that's why. Okay. Um, yeah, so anyway, he's a doctor by day and a, uh, a, a remodeler by <laughs> night. Uh -huh. Craziness. Uh -huh. So, John. <laughs> Pronounce your full name for me, please, so I know oh, I'm saying it correctly. It's, uh, you know, John, and then Kretsu. So it's exactly the way it looks. Kretsu. Yeah. And I people see. have a hard time with it, and I can never understand why, because it looks just, you know. You know what? It like is it phonetically sounds. exactly written yeah. the way it, it sounds. Now, John is spelled with an O, not with an H. That's right. John, okay. And um, I have looked at some of the work that you sent me, some articles I've watched and some videos, I've, articles right. I've read, videos I have watched. Um, and I'm just fascinated with um, talking to you. You're actually the only, see, I've had, well, Michael Mastro is a director, but mostly an actor. Lucian, I spoke Is a with. director, yeah. Yes, and so, but you really are like, the director's director, you know what I mean? You're not like, you're not like those of us that dabble in both sides, acting and directing. You don't really act. Yeah. You may, no. Mostly you are a director and a journalist, correct? Yeah, yeah. I direct, I acted back in high school and college. 
and uh, never wanted to do it. <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm done. I'll stay like a good poker uh, yeah, hand. Yeah, uh, it was not my thing. Well, you know, you kind of know when it is and you kind of know when it's not. So yeah. do what you're good at. It's like they tell playwrights, write what you know. Exactly. Right? Direct what you know. Let's talk about, uh, I have some really fun questions I want to ask you specifically, okay. but um, let's talk about just a little bit about your background and um, how you came to be in this career. Um, I know that at age four, <laughs> you went out like a rocket and never came back in the yes. arts. So tell people a little bit about your background with your parents and yeah. all of that. Well, I was a single uh, and only child and my parents took me to the opera when I was four years old to see Madame Butterfly uh, there in Los Angeles where I grew up at the Music Center. And um, I just fell in love with it. I mean, this, I, I literally, it's the first thing I remember. And I remember clearly the curtain going up and the light pouring out from under the curtain and the set and I remember thinking to my little four-year-old self, uh, I, I'm going to make that happen. Really? I'm going to do that. Yeah. That was, I, that, I didn't know what it was that uh -huh. I was going to make happen, but I knew I was going to do that. And it became an obsession. I, um, I spent a lot of time reading plays when I was young. I learned how to read really young. My mother mm -hmm. taught me when You're I You're an was, only child, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she taught me how to read when I was four or five years old. Um, wow. And so I went to the library and took out a lot of books. And I used to love to read plays because there was no boring parts. It was all, it was all dialogue. Isn't that interesting? So, you know, I was totally into that. And I remember getting a copy, a paperback copy of Four Shakespeare Tragedies, which I still have, at the, at the supermarket one day. And one of those, it was in one yes. of those, you know, carousel. Yeah. Yes. The and I loved it because it had drawings and the drawings are really cool. And the plays were so full of, you know, violence and fighting and murders and, you know, it was really dramatic stuff. And um, I thought it was great. I had no idea who Shakespeare was. I, that it was Unbelievable. You know, I just knew that it was short scenes with a lot of violence and a lot of yelling. And a lot of words. <laughs> a lot of words, which I like to read out loud. And I would do plays for myself. I, I used to play in the backyard and, and in my room reading plays out loud. Wow, well, did you see um, out loud, speaking of out loud, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen doing the sonnets? Have no, you seen that? It's I on Facebook. To. For anybody who hasn't. Oh, uh, I've got to. Patrick Stewart just sitting in his house and I don't know who's recording him, um, yeah. but he's sitting there and to hear him read a sonnet is just like butter. Yeah. It's like butter. It yeah. rolls off the tongue. And Ian McKellen recorded one for him for his birthday, his 80th birthday. And actually on the day that he was reading, he was reading the 80th sonnet, number That's 80. So great. Mm -hmm. And he said, so it was, it, was, oh. it was meant to be that he do it. So I just thought that was really cool. I have to look that up. Yeah. I can't believe you started. I, I still read, well, I say I try to read Shakespeare. I, um, I always have to read a synopsis first. Sure. Um, and I directed the complete works of William Shakespeare, yeah, and yeah. I was with uh, Charlotte Shakespeare for two summers, and I toured with them. I did As You Like It, and um, I did As You Like It and Midsummer Night's Dream. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was fun, but I, <laughs> the worst review I ever got. <laughs> the wor you know, you never, like, you always go, I'll yeah. never forget this as long as I live it. Yeah. I got a review and I didn't really know exactly what it was, but I had been directed to play Hermia as like a child, like a tantrum, oh, you know, like uh -huh, a little sure. puppy. And, right. and um, they said, and I quote, Dawn Westbrook speaks Shakespeare phonetically, turning poetry into pablum. 
Oh. Yeah, right? So that made me never want to do it again. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh my God, really? Because I was actually pretty good and it was really a neat sure, show, sure, but sure. I thought, okay. And I studied at the Royal National and I went, I, right, I just right. it. I, I'll just stick with what I know. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah, I never really wanted to do it again. And, and now people know if you listen to this that I speak you know, Shakespeare fanatically, which yes. is not what you want. No, no. But you know, I think a lot of, so much of my love for it was because I didn't know it was good for me. Wow. I didn't know it was, it was like the greatest classic, you know, the uh -huh. greatest thing ever. I sure. was just a kid who was like into it because it was pretty, you know, exciting and violent. Do you remember, <laughs> you and that violence, yeah, um, wow. do you, do you remember what four tragedies were in yes, there? Yes, it was, it was Hamlet, mm -hmm. uh, Julius Caesar, which I didn't like then and I still don't, okay. um, uh, uh, um, the Scottish play, which I refuse to say, but that one, okay. uh, Mac, and... And, um, and I'll say the second part, Beth. <laughs> thank you. Uh, his sister, his sister Beth. <laughs> um, uh, God, was it was Titus? It, Titus is oh, the Oh, and I love that. That's the one I've always wanted to do. Um, no, it, might, it probably was King Lear. The one Richard III, King Lear? Mm, okay. Yeah, I think so. It was okay. one of those. It was one of wow. those Wow. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, uh, oh, no, Romeo and Juliet. It was Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that is a little, that is a little sad and a lot of death. Lots of death. Out. And yep. Hamlet, ghost, first scene, ghost. Oh, I know. Cool. I, I got to direct the complete works of William Shakespeare. Have you ever gotten a chance to do that? I saw your production. It was hysterical. It was really funny. Oh, Jackie stage managed. It was, yeah. I thought it was so funny. It was um, funny. I had the best guys in Richmond. It was uh, yeah. David yeah. Bridgewater, Mike right. Todaro, Richard Cook, and right. John Glenn, of course, was at um, the Barksdale at that time. Um, may he rest in peace. And it was just one of the funniest experiences of my life. I was thinking about that yesterday. Right, sure. Opening night, they you know, had that... I basically just wanted to give them a structure and then just let them go. I needed yeah, yeah. them to just jump in the pool every night, feed off the audience, feed off each other, and just, you know, throw each other off if they could uh, within, within means, right? Yeah. Um, so you live up in the Pacific Northwest. Right yeah. now, you're in California, is that correct? That's not Yeah, I, I live in Portland, Oregon, and, um, and I've also lived in Seattle, and I grew up in Los Angeles. And right now I'm in Northern California in a lovely little city town called El Sobrante. Oh. I'm not going anywhere near the city. I'm not going anywhere near public transportation. You know, yeah, no. I'm being very careful. But it's just nice to kind of get out, see some people. You know, I had not been in a room with a friend uh, since March. I saw one person for an hour and one other person for an hour in Portland. That was it. See, that's crazy. And I think crazy. I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking theater. Um, it's Rusty Wilson from Richmond, oh. Lane Satterfield and, and Rusty. Rusty was um, talking about, you know, how I think people are kind of, or the podcast, one of them were talking about it, that theater people are really missing the intimacy oh, of sure. each other of being together, yeah. um, the social aspect, and yet the intimacy of doing a play together, creating a piece. And um, just really, it, I was doing kind of okay. I'm kind of an introvert. And so believe it or not, I really am. Um, <laughs> I love, I'm a homebody. Yeah, and yeah. I was kind of liking being at home for the first few months. And me then too. just about last week, I start, it started to get to me. Um, and I, it just, 
yeah, Nick Cadaro, uh, his passing, yeah. I think, kind of really yeah. um, did, did, did a number on me, um, as it did many, many people. Of course. But, you know, it just uh, started to get to me, like, when are we really going to be able to get to do this again? And I can't yes. visualize it, can you? I can't, sadly, mm -hmm. I really can't. I think it's the last thing that's going to come back. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially in um, New York and London, where the theaters are so small. I mean, those theaters are so tight. And they're so tight. Yeah, and there's so many people. I, they pack them I in. I don't see. I just don't see how it's going to happen. I don't. Uh, and it's tragic, you know. I mean, I just. It, it really upsets me so much. The arts is so much a part of my life, and and traveling to see the arts in so many cities, and yeah. now that is just that's just gone for a long while. I it think. is gone. And that's one of your favorite things to do, is it not? It is I one of my that. favorite things. Mm -hmm. Traveling yeah. and just seeing theater. Yeah. And, and one, of, one of the articles uh, the, the, <laughs> that was written about you said, you know, you really can learn from bad work, not necessarily yes. your own, but from others. And I was interviewing somebody not too long ago, and they were like, oh, honey, if it's not good, I get up. I can't, I can't stay. But you, yeah. on the other hand, you stick it out. And, and part of it is because you were a critic, right? Yes, and uh, but I will admit, but I, I have left many a show myself, oh. uh, especially wow. in the last few years. It's gotten to the point where like intermission comes and I think, you know, my life is too short. Right. I, I could be home watching The Great British Bake Off. I could be doing uh -huh. a lot more. If I'm sitting there watching a show and I'm thinking about what I'm going to cook for dinner tomorrow night. That's not mm -hmm. a good sign. Or I'm sitting there blocking the show I'm working on. For me, I start reblocking the show that I'm watching. <laughs> yes. What would I do Maybe, differently? Uh -huh. And I know yeah. immediately, I'm like, oh, well, that was wrong. Yeah. I would do this yeah. or I would do that. And if I start doing that, then I know it's not, you know. Yeah. Um, and Rusty said that he isn't, well, he, wasn't, he doesn't see a lot of theater, even when theater was going uh -huh. on, because uh -huh. he just has no tolerance for people who aren't really living the word as they're on stage. They're not sure. living the experience. Um, yeah. And he, you know, studied under Stanislavski. And anyway, um, but he talks about just really buying into the moment yeah. and really giving each other something to act off of. Just, you know, and he says if it's just like blah, banal commercial, he just doesn't even want to go. Yeah, nothing's worse than mediocre theater or what I call Velveeta theater. I mean, uh -oh. That kind of processed, you right. know, no one's right. thinking about a thing. And it, I will admit, though, it's interesting because there's been a few shows that I've been forced to stay because <laughs> I either saw someone in the audience who knew me and so I couldn't really sneak out or I knew some, I knew the director or whatever. Um, so, and the, often, though, it's really weird when I've done that, the second act is, is much better. And I go, gee, I would, I would have missed something good. I read that so, in your article that lots of times they can yeah. maybe act one just wasn't really their thing and they right. got their rhythm, you know, it's in, in act two. Um, a lot of comedies, like even Schitt's Creek, right? Brilliant, sure. brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. Um, their first four episodes, I mean, I watched one and went, I, mm -hmm. I don't think I can do this. I'm not getting it. And Jackie O'Connor, friend of yours and mine, yeah. said, yeah. oh, no, no, no you must go back and start yeah. and stick with it. And I have never been so glad that I yeah. wouldn't want, I mean, and if you look back at the beginning of a lot of comedies, they don't really know each other. They haven't really melded into having a great energy with each other. They don't really yeah. know what their characters are, what their mannerisms are. And it takes them a little while, like um, uh, Will and Grace. 
Sure. Same thing. Their first season was, but they kind of came out of the gate, you know, yeah. fabulous. But um, they didn't really know, and it took them a little while, like in first gear, second gear, yeah. and then they start on a roll. So it's great when shows get a chance to have a long run on stage or get to do, you know, more than one season. The setup is often really tricky in comedies. You know, the, the setup, the exposition, the build. Um, and I think that's part of the thing when you're directing a comedy. You have to be so careful with that first act, with that first scene, you know? Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And it does have kind of a build. I mean, it depends on what type of comedy you're doing. You know, sure. realistic or sure. um, you know, drawing room or farce or whatever. Um, so, yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about working with actors. Um, One of the things that I said in my original, um, one of the reasons I wanted to do this, I wanted to talk to directors about how they work with actors, how they help them mold into characters, um, how they help them find their characters, if that's needed, um, Uh guide them. Um, Talk to me about an experience, if you can think of one, where you had a little bit more of a job directing an actor than you thought. And you don't have to Uh say the show or the actor, but can you think of a time where you went, "Mm, this is gonna be a little more work than I thought it was when I had auditions? Yeah, of course. And you know, so much about directing is casting. So you're always trying to cast someone that you see the seed of that human being that they're gonna portray in them. And then helping them to bring that forth. So sometimes, and most of the time, luckily, you know, casting has been good for me. I, I, I can cast really well. There have been rare occasions, uh-huh. um, where, and pretty really rare, right. um, where it's just an actor that um, there is just no connection. I mean, no matter what I tried, uh, th- they were closed off to me, and I was closed off to them, and it just mm-hmm. didn't. It didn't compute. Now, luckily, it's only happened once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but um, the experience was so awful oh. that, um, and the first time, you know, I, I heard from many people not to do this, not mm-hmm. to cast this person who I did not know. Right. Um, and, um, and I thought, no, you know, I was a young director. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, no, they'll be fine. Oh. <laughs> and of course, it turned out to be the worst experience. Of it my is. life, this is the worst. I mean, it really was terrible. But most of the time, you know, you try to find. I think the best thing that's ever been said about directing, is that um, is that you there are two important things: um, when to talk and when to shut up. Yes, and I think that is absolutely the truth. Well, that's so funny. Last week, when I was, I don't know if you listened to. Um, Eva DeVirgilis, I did. Oh, I didn't hear that one. Yeah. Oh, she and I talked about Scott Wichman, who I know you know. If you've been in Richmond, Virginia, everybody knows Scott Wichman. Um, and he did Scapino with me. And one of the things that I said to her is, you know, I knew that when I was directing Scott that I was going to have to just kind of raise myself up and not be scared because he's really smart and he's really good. But he kind of, he's a director too. So he has to work bits out himself yeah. And you have to just step back and get out of the way. And then when he's finished working with the other actor, and lots of times he'll just ask them to let me just figure this out. The other actor, let me me figure out what I need to do. And then I'll just sit there and wait and watch. And then I said I would, there's one moment in particular I remember that he had to work. It was when um, Scapino puts uh, the guy in the bag. 
yes. and the guy that I was putting in, Jack Parrish was really, mm -hmm. really tall and mm -hmm. he was having a hard time bending down and Scott was trying to work out. And I thought, how can I help this? And I said, guys, do you want to take a break? Jack, yes, out of the bag. Yes, and Scott, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I went, okay, let's just, Jack, can you hold you just a second longer? And Scott had to just kind of run around the bag trying to figure out how to do it. And I knew that I was going to do more damage than good if I stopped him and tried to get up on stage and try to figure it out. But nope. And just let him go. Yeah. 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 He, and and learning, that, learning that patience is really important, I think, as, you, as you're working, as you're starting to work. It, um, yeah. Because it takes a lot. It, that's hard, you know. Yeah, you I, want to. Yeah. I have worked with directors too that are actors first mm. and they have an idea of how they would do it. And oh, how they yes. it. And so, you know, you kind of want to go, do you want to do this for me? Cause I'm not, you know. Yeah. I never, I try to never ever, and now watch, you know, actors will say, oh, I do it all the time. I try to never give a line reading of any kind. Right. Right. And also I never get up on stage unless I absolutely have to just right. move something, but um, I don't feel that that's my place, you know. Right, now I jump, I jump up and move and I go. never do that. A lot mm -hmm. of it is my energy though too, is like I try to figure yeah. it out, like can you do this in that amount of time? Um, yeah. Let me see how this feels and then okay, all right, try yeah. and see if it works. Um, and if they have an idea, you do it, then let me see if the, you know. So I will, and definitely if it's like a stage type of comedy like Ken Ludwig or, you know, um, I, just anything like yeah. that is, is farcical. So um, let me ask you another question. When you are doing, you've directed musicals and- Yeah, right? quite a bit, yeah. Quite a bit. Um, is there a difference in your script analysis from musical to play? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Thank you. Um, in a, in a musical, because I'm very much a musician, I play piano and I read. Yes, you started at age four. eight, I believe. Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real music nut. So, um, so in a musical, I am just working first and foremost from the score, uh, from what the music is doing, what the composer. Do. Luckily, you know, I have never really worked on a crappy musical. <laughs> <laughs> and there are plenty of them. Uh, yeah. uh, but I've been really lucky. I've worked mostly on a lot of Sondheim and uh, Next to Normal, which is so brilliant. And um, My Friends, It Should Have Been You, which is a brilliant show. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, it's uh, a great show. But, um, um, but shows that the music is very much a part of the core, of the, of the heart of the show. So all my work starts with that first. So you start listening to the, do you listen to the soundtrack? All do you just play it? I listen, I, uh, uh, um, and I think of how it, it involves the words, how it involves the lyrics, how the scenes come up out of the music, which of course in like Sondheim is just, I mean, one of the best things I've ever done, the best experiences ever was doing Sweeney Todd, which is just mm. a miracle. I mean, every day going to that was such a joy it's, to work on. Yeah, it. Theater Lab did it here on a smaller scale. Right, and I, yeah. I have to admit, when they said they were going to do it, I thought, wow, that's kind of an undertaking yeah. for the basement, you know? Yeah. And it was fantastic. I oh, thought yeah. they did it. Did you see it? Were you no, here but in town? I, the, the, best, the best production I've seen, uh, well, I don't know, I've seen a lot. I saw the original too. The, I did too. My first Broadway show was Angela Lansbury and Len Carrier <gasps> in the original. So, really? Oh, I saw them both too. Broadway. Uh, Angela yeah. Lansbury and Lynn Carey. They were so fantastic. Good. Oh, and that set. 
But then, but the the next best production I ever saw was the little tiny one in the pie shop that was in London, and then they also did it in New York, um, uh, and that was remarkable. So and they I did think, it actually yeah. in a pie shop. Yeah, is that what you're it, saying? Well, it was. It, they created a pie shop out of an old restaurant in London, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, they did the same thing in a really small theater space in New York. And, oh, how cool. You know, I don't think I knew about amazing. that. I oh, know that God, Midtown, there's the little pie company, but I don't think you could right, stay no, with no. something there. No, no, this was at uh, the Barrow Street Theater, oh. you know, which was a great space. Um, so, um, so, so, but I was going to say that's interesting. The difference is that a play I often look at as a piece of music. So um, I kind of structure it in my head right. in terms of... Um, you know, in terms of rhythm and and, uh, and and into the filigree of of movements and the sonata structure of a scene and right. how all that works. And I never say that to actors. I mean, right. Yeah, but I'm thinking that. Right now, you had actually, I think, at one point, if you can tell me what show this was, you had a cast in particular listen to Mozart's Piano Concerto in A Major. Yes, um, and I can't remember what show that was. I, okay, I was often it? let them. I often show, and uh, I do a lot of pre-work with a, a cast, um, at okay. least a week, which involves reading the script many times around the table, which I really yeah. enjoy, and then moving away from the table, but still just reading. Uh, no directing at all. I don't say anything. Um, and then um, lots of showing them a video of different things that pertain in some way to the play. So it could be stuff about the period. It could be stuff about a historical event that the play okay. is centered on. Um, it, when, I sh when I directed As You Like It up in Stratford, we watched um, the forest hour from planet Earth. Oh, um, nice. which was really interesting. Um, uh, it can be various things and often music, too. I will play music that I'm either going to use in the show or that influences my way of thinking. Right. So, yeah, I like them to start with all the stuff that I did in terms of pre-work. Um, interesting. And you will use some rehearsal time to do that or just tell oh, them to do it on yes. their own. Oh, no, no, no. Always as a group, because it's a, part of it is the discussion, you know, after we watch this movie that pertains, like uh -huh. when I did the Stephen Dietz Dracula, we watched all of the Dracula movies. We spent three days watching Fabulous. all of them from the 1930s, from silence up to, you know, present day and discussing the use of vampires and culture, how it's changed, how our feelings have changed about uh, vampires. Uh, uh, and so that the discussion is so much a part of learning together. Yeah. And, and then we all have that background to start in terms of our work. And I think what you've just described is what we said a few minutes ago. I think that um, theater people, actors, directors, producers, designers are all missing that type of intimacy, that let's get yes. together and listen and talk about it. And sure. Zoom meetings are fine. Um, yes. They're fine for kind of, you know, and this is great because I'm really enjoying uh, dabbling in talking with different people and I'm having a great time yes. just you know, uh, chatting around and talking about the process um, because there isn't a whole lot of that going on right now and I just right, need to keep right. it alive in myself, right? right. Um, so, I was gonna ask you a question and it kind of- But Zoom rehearsal, I think is insane. I, I think a Zoom rehearsal is crazy. I also think that, you know, these readings that are happening are kind of interesting, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't really wanna, I'm gonna say this, I don't really wanna pay to see when I'll donate a little something, but I don't, sure. theater is meant 
to be in a, it's a shared experience. We're supposed right. to be together and you can't get that same feeling in your home. Yeah. You have to share the same air. You do. You have to share the same air. You have, I mean, everybody comes to it, you know, from their day at the job, you know, job or, you know, kids or your tired Friday nights were always really tired. Thursday nights were the worst when I was doing musicals. Mm -hmm. uh, Thursday night, kind of okay. Friday night, horrible. Saturday matinee, white hair, yeah. you know, yeah, blue, yeah. it's a blue hair. And it just was really, they weren't going to be very funny. They were going to be very quiet or fall asleep, yeah. right? Yeah. And then by Saturday night, we were ready to rock and roll again. And Saturday, sure. Sunday matinees tended to be pretty good too, uh, in musicals. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you listen to the music a lot when you're getting ready to do a musical yeah. um, and the libretto and actually listen to the music and maybe even play some for yourself. On yes. Um, when you get a script, and let's don't talk, let's don't bring in new works. Let's right. just talk about scripts that are tried and true. Sure. What is one of the first things that you do before you ever think about casting? What do you do with the script? Uh, well, I read it a number of times. I read mm -hmm. it uh, backwards to forwards. I like doing that. Last scene first and going backwards through it. Um, and something I really enjoy doing is... Um, Picking, putting the script down and picking it up and just reading a scene from the middle or a few pages from the middle. Right. Just, just completely, just jumping in the pool for a few seconds. Right. And sometimes you see things that you never would, you know, see. So then I also read, read a lot about the author, even if it's somebody I know really well, I'll read a bunch of biographies, especially sections about what happened while they were writing this particular piece. Oh, how wonderful. Um, then I look at um, anything, if it's at it, it, all a different period, or I've moved it to a different period, I'll really research that period, you know, everything okay. about it. The music, the, the mores, the politics, the um, everything about it. Okay. Um, so I get a real sense of the period. Of what um, it felt like to be. Yes, yes, in that period. And I'll watch a lot of films that are, were either made in that period or, um, or about that period. Um, so that I just kind of immerse, you know, and right. and usually, I mean, happily, I'll, I'll know what I'm going to do a few months in advance, so mm -hmm. that I can do this this work because it's essential to. It's me. a lot of preliminary work, um, and then so you do that for yourself, and then do you like to pick your own designers, or do you? Yeah, I really do enjoy working with design, but you know, you, I've worked with many different designers. So and and sometimes you can work. Often you can work great. If they're a good designer, then they're very open and, and want that discussion. And, and I see things very I, visually. Yeah. You do. Yeah, so do I. And um, it, it's, I think it's really important for a director to have an idea of the flow and tell them what your, your concept, you know, this at the very first meeting. Absolutely. Table, this is what I'm looking for. And then come up with that production calendar and yeah. what you're looking for at what station to get you up sure. to tech week, right? And sometimes um, it's very detailed. Sometimes I know exactly what the space looks like. I had a really wonderful time, speaking of uh, Richmond, mm -hmm. doing that with Tennessee uh, on... Um, oh, Tennessee on, Dixon? Yeah, on Stupid, Stupid. Effing Bird. She you know what, that set was brilliant. amazing. She was so much fun to work with because yeah. she totally got how I expressed myself and we really understood each other and I just loved working with yeah, her. Yeah, she's a true artist. I mean, she is... Uh, yeah. I, I was supposed to, I asked her to do a set for me once, but she was just too busy. She was working at yeah. Firehouse. I think she had just started working there. But um, I have absolutely thought that all of her sets here in Richmond have been yeah. so detailed. And um, 
almost a poetic in the way it looks, Very much. the way it oh, moves, yeah. and how it really helps uh, create the feeling and help the actors move from space to space. Right. I just, I just, she doesn't, nothing's wasted. Everything is used. Absolutely. And that was very much, I wanted an, uh, a set that was an, sort of an art installation. So that was what we started with and that's what it became. Um, but, you know, I also loved working with, um, oh God, I'm blanking on this. That's okay. In Richmond the, or? Yeah. So the guy, the guy in Richmond who did um, It Should Have Been You, which, uh, same space, but just a totally different use of the space. Was it, and, um, it wasn't Frankie Foster? Was it Frankie Foster? Oh, I think it was. Yeah. Yes. I love Frankie. Hi, Frankie. We'll get you on here too. Frankie and I went to college together. Oh, I love him. He's a lovely guy. And he, just, just to stop for a quick me. second, Frankie's, um, his mother, Gracie, they, she makes pickles and relishes. And um, he <laughs> has the best pickle. <laughs> and I said, you know what, Frankie, I need some of your pickle. And I said that, and I went, oh, my God, that sounds really wrong. Call Gracie's Garden. And oh, that's fabulous. he got sweet butter pickle that is unbelievable. It is so crisp and wonderful. And I've got, uh, Frankie, I've got one more jar left. Um, I okay. need it coming up. So, Frankie, next there you time go. I'm come, next time I get to Richmond, I want those pickles. Oh, he's, it's, so, it's so great. Um, but anyway, yeah, we love, we love Frankie. Yeah. Um, and that set too, that was really good. I did, I enjoyed yeah. both of those shows, which I got to see. And um, it, I love having uh, freelance directors come into town because a lot of times we're just seeing each other's work. So yeah. when you have somebody come in that is as talented and as knowledgeable as you are, it's really exciting to see yeah. that work. So yeah, yeah, I just- I, That was fun. I love that space, you know, the RTP space is just kind of magical to me. It is. I, For those who are listening that don't know that it's Richmond Triangle Players, RTP. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I worked in, um, you know, a very different space for my first show, uh, which was when um, Quill, it wasn't Quill, it was the other. Henley? Henley? Yeah, Street but it was in, no, but it was in the art museum. It was the first time they were back in the art museum. Okay. a long time. And that vast, huge stage, that's a What did you direct? Space. That was Line in Winter. Oh, I saw that too with Dave Bridgewater and Melissa. Yes. That was wonderful yeah. too. That was um, so much fun with the two of them. I love you know that. what? That space was really popular. It was in the Virginia Museum. Yeah. And it was called Peter, Virginia. And it, I worked there quite a bit. And um, they sometimes would close off the back yes, with, with a curtain, right? Mm -hmm, to kind of make it a little bit more intimate. Yeah. But that, that space was, I mean, I tell you what, those were the days back in the 1970s yeah. and 80s, man. Theater was rocking and rolling. Oh, and I it bet. Was, it was the only equity house in town and people would come in from all over. And I saw shows there, uh, you know, I mean, it just, one show after the other, after the other. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was talking with somebody the other day about all the different artistic directors that they had come through there. And yeah. all were just, you know, wonderful, from Terry Burgler to um, Bill Gregg, who I'm hoping to have on here. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, Tom Marcus was one that was there. Uh, George Black was there. And they were all very good. They all brought different, you know, different feelings and, and different um, um, directorial oh, sure. concepts, you know? Sure. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, moving from small spaces to huge spaces is something that I really enjoy. Yes. Is, is I, I really love, because I've worked in every kind of space, like outdoor, gigantic, you know, thrust. Boy, that's theater. a hard one. That's a really it's hard, hard one. But, um, but you can still achieve a lot. And you can always achieve truth in whatever space you're in. Right. So, and it, sometimes it's trickier. It is. I know. You, 
you can you can achieve that. You know, another thing that I think of when I re read a script um, is I break it down very much cinematically because I think cinematically, weirdly enough, and I've only really? now directed just one short film, but um, it's cinema, film has always been, meant so much to me, mm -hmm. and I studied it ever since I was a little kid. So um, I tend to think of a script in terms of medium shots, close-ups, long shots, uh, and I, again, would never tell an actor that. Right. But, but that's the way my mind is going, and I think creating that on stage is really exciting to me. Um, that is, that's really cool. Yeah, I, um, yeah, we're going in for a push, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in order to do that, maybe you could bring, the lights could go out and you could sure. bring the spot in towards the face. Yes. I mean, there are ways of doing that. Yes. I think you're right. I think, um, I have always said that comedy um, mm -hmm. is, is extremely musical in its rhythm. If oh, yeah. well written, like, thank you, Neil Simon, it is, I mean, you hear the ba -dum bum you of know course. where it is and you know how to build up to it. And um, what is, when you are auditioning these days, have you done a lot of um, video, people sending you video to audition? That's the thing that's you done. You know, that. yes, but you know, I, 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 as I mentioned to you, I'm, I'm, I'm semi-retired. I'm not, I'm not directing, I kind of really kind of went through some health stuff and I'm kind of taking a, you know, a little time not to do right. it. And I was doing it a lot. I directed a lot, and, yes, and I got very tired. It was it, it was a lot of great work that I'm very proud of. So you know, I'm not. Uh, I didn't feel. I don't feel bad about that. But um, uh, I still enjoy it. And lately, I have had to do more video auditioning, which is fine. Right. Um, uh, it, it it. In fact, I one of the best performances I ever worked on with someone was the woman who played Blanche Dubois for me in streetcar in portland and that was a video audition that was wow uh, and um you know for that huge a role but um <coughs> she was just fantastic yeah so I, uh, yeah i think you can tell a lot you can tell a lot from a video audition i tend to be one of those people you can tell a lot in the first few seconds and, oh well uh, even if it's all so. if it's if it's pre-taped sure. or yeah. if it's you know you come Makes in the no room it's, it's those very first it's that they can sing, you know, like I can name that tune in two notes. I can name yeah. whether I'm going to cast or not in two notes, two yeah. words of a monologue. You know how they present themselves. So let's talk about the audition. Let's talk yeah. about the old fashioned audition, okay? Mm -hmm. The old fashioned before we talk about video. Within those, when you're sitting behind that table yeah. and someone walks in the room, what's the first thing you want to see? Um, I want to see who they present themselves as. Okay. And if I can see, uh, I can always tell if somebody's being false. Yep. I, do, I can always tell when someone's being apologetic, which I hate. Yep, me too. So, uh, but I can also tell when they're full of themselves. Yes. Now, and sometimes if they're really brilliant and full of themselves, okay, I'll deal with it. You, you give them a pass. If you're I'd really, really not. a diva, right, I'd rather not, but there are the more, and I talked with that, you know, about Scott. I mean, there are certain things sure. that you go, well, really sometimes the most talented people come with some of the things that you're yeah. gonna, as a director, you're gonna have to allow right. that you wouldn't normally allow mm -hmm, and become. But nowadays, I mean, it's like, I just wanna work with people I wanna work with. I wanna spend that time with. Right. So, um, so that's really important. And I'm looking to see if there's something again in them that, and often it's, it's, it's I, cause I cast very strangely sometimes. I really cast not typically or oh. against type quite, quite right. a bit. 
And, um, and it's really if they carry the soul of that person, if I get a sense that they, you know, understand that person. I'll Would talk you... a little bit to them, you know, because uh-huh. uh, I like to just get a sense of who they are. Um, I also sometimes ask for things like, um, you know, tell me a story about uh, something that happened to you in your life that was similar to this incident or the time that you were te- in trouble or, uh, or tell me a joke or uh, just anything to get away from right. something that they've rehearsed. Sure, absolutely, like La La Land. The, yeah. pl- the, the moment where she finally gets a job is when she's yes. at her lowest point, right? Right, um, right. And, and basically given up the career. Um, tell me something about it. And she goes into that beautiful song. Um, and yeah, I, I tend to go, like say I was up in New York and I was going to be directing Quilters um, right. for Wayside Theater. They're, they're no longer. But um, I was up in New York and I just, for that show, I was looking for a look. I wasn't looking for people who even look like me. Uh-huh. You know, more commercial. I want women who look folky. I want sure. women who look like they didn't have on a lot of makeup or that they didn't need to do their nails. Or yeah, I yeah. just wanted real rustic, real earthy looking women. And so for certain shows, I can just tell from when the door opens and sometimes yeah. I can use my imagination, but really directors now, they don't want to use their imagination. They want you to be exactly what they want, right? They don't yeah. want it, right. And now talk about too, it was it was a term that was used when I was coming out of school called eclectic casting. Now I believed it's almost called uh, colorless casting. Oh right, yeah, colorblind. But casting. eclectic casting was totally putting people in roles that you would yeah. not normally see. Right, so yeah. vi- it's more of a visual than an auditory. It's a visual eclectic casting. Like you go, wow, yeah. this is not what I would think it would look like. Um, like using a little girl to be the narrator in our town as opposed right. to, an, you know, Hal Holbrook. Talk to me about, did you ever have, did you do any like eclectic casting? Oh, often. Casting? Yeah, I kind of like that. I do too. I, I, I like just seeing whoever like came in uh, um, and, and kind of putting together uh, an offbeat ensemble. I always like a bunch of people that really are a bunch of different pieces, you know, yeah. that, don't, that don't look homogenous in any way. And I think I see, you know, too much of that, you know, there, so, so um, it's much more interesting to me, someone with edges or cragginess mm-hmm. or something different, you know. Right. Definitely. Um, did you read the, I asked this to uh, Tony Cobb last week, while we're speaking of um, uh, colorless casting or whatever, did you read that, um, Dear White American Theater, we hashtag we see you. Did you read that? Oh was, gosh, I didn't. I'd love to. I have it's, to do that. I posted it on uh, the Facebook page for ACT. Okay. And you can go to their website and take a look. There's another, yeah. they have um, some brilliant actors put that piece together. And it's now they've got a huge website. Before it was mm. just that one letter uh, yeah. with all these bullet points. I would love to know. Uh, what your thoughts are on that um, as okay. a director. If you can read it and then you can post on it uh, on the sure. Facebook page and let us know what you think. Um, okay. What would you do differently moving forward, you know, mm-hmm. with all this Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and trying mm-hmm. to make things more equitable? How do, how, what, it, what does that look like and how do we do it? You know, yeah, we can't beat right. ourselves up about what we did in the past, but we certainly can make changes moving forward. Of course. Um, so if you don't mind reading that, I'd love to know what your thoughts are. Sure, of course. All right, let's talk about that glass menagerie that you taught, that you um, were interviewed in, and you said you had gone to Toronto and you saw a brilliant glass menagerie that was the prettiest, simplest production you'd ever seen. You said it was simple and direct, 
and there were no tricks and no directional masturbation is what you said. I hate seeing actors do that, right? Yeah. But what does, first of all, let's talk about what exactly does direct, directorial masturbation look like? Oh, I think we've all seen it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, it comes in many forms. And yes, it does. It, it, you know, it, 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 it is often for me, it's basically when a choice has been made um, and it's often a strong choice and God love, we love strong choices, but it's a choice that is not, it is just not organic to what is in the play. Right, it doesn't serve the play. It's more of, uh, this is what I wanted to do. And yeah. it, you know, health or high water, this is my vision and I'm gonna make it work. And yes. you're trying to fit, you know, uh, you know, a square into a round hole and you're going, it's not working, it's not right. working. And yet they're fighting it and they're working against it. So yeah. And I often, you know, I, cause I have done a decent amount of Shakespeare and classical plays and I've often changed the period on them, which mm -hmm. many directors do. That's, that's what people do, especially in the 20th century. Um, but I always try so hard if I'm gonna do that to make sure that every single detail of that play is going to work within the concept of the period. Right. And so often that, you know, I have seen so much regional theater and so much theater every place. And a lot of it sometimes uh, is, um, you know, it goes as far as the costume designs and that's it. You, you know, they haven't given any thought. Right. To Too much how, thought or not enough thought. Not enough thought. And so that kind of drives me crazy. So that's masturb masturbatory. Also in terms of, well, it's such a thin line of pushing something too far to the point where the play is in trouble of getting lost within the histrionics of either the director or the designer, because designers sure. can certainly do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and now, and you know, in using Glass Menagerie, which, because that production, which was a beautiful, beautiful production at a very fine theater in, in, in Toronto that I um, saw that, was so simple, absolutely, there was almost no set. It was like a, the fire escape stairs and the kitchen table, and that was it. Very small space, and four wow. brilliant actors who just, just, just said the words truthfully and felt them deeply. And there was not a lot, of, there wasn't a lot of filigree. Now I have to admit that I also loved a production of Glass Menagerie that was in New York oh. that many people definitely accused the director, Sam Gold. Sally, Sally Field, was that the yes. one? Sally Field? Yes. Mm -hmm. Of masturbatory directing. Not, not serving the play. Did right. not work for me. I thought it was one of the most heartbreaking accounts of that play I'd ever seen also. What made it so heartbreaking? I mean, it already oh, is anyway, but what well. part of it? Was it Tom? Was it, No, you know, no, there was Laura, a lot. Was it, oh. Well, first of all, I'll, I'll try to just say it quickly, but um, uh, Tom was brilliantly played by John Lentello, who's just an amazing actor. Yes, uh, and um, director too. Yes, and director, absolutely. Sally Field was just so beautifully heartfelt. But, but what they had done was they cast an actress who was, mm -hmm a paraplegic who literally could not walk. Okay. I mean, she would have to be lifted out of her wheelchair or really crawl. And at the very beginning, they brought in the wheelchair to the steps at the front of the stage and she had to crawl up the steps to the stage and oh, wow. be put back, carried back into the wheelchair. Um, hmm. And, but she was an actress, she had done many things. She was a member of this, um, 
uh, uh, group that that they were all different forms of what you would call a disability, I, I suppose. But they, some mm -hmm. of them were blind, some deaf, some um, could not walk. You know, so Did she, she worked with Deaf West Theater Company. No, no, this was a different okay. company. This okay. was a, a company that just does work with people with. Um, certain types of yeah. um, disabilities or challenges, so it, right? So it wasn't like they went out and found a girl. I right. mean, she had been acting for a long while. Sure. And just so beautiful. So to be I've got to look up her an name. Angel. Yeah. But it was remarkable the way they used her in this performance. Um, things like the fact that in the scene with the gentleman caller, which was played all on the floor. She never got up and he danced with her just by holding her arms on the floor. But it was all in the light of two of the candles. So right. you didn't see the rest of her body and it was all about her face. And she was so beautiful and luminous in the candlelight. And it was very powerful. Um, wow. Uh, and at the end, when she was in her wheelchair in Sally Field, mm -hmm. as she had done earlier in the play, the daughter, um, Laura, had crawled to Sally, to Amanda. Oh, but Lord. at this point, Amanda crawled to her and put her head in, in Laura's lap. And mm. uh, it was what her stunning. name is. Yeah, it was an unusual name, if I remember correctly. Kind of a, uh, Madison uh, Ferris. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madison Ferris. But, yeah. All four of them were remarkable. It was a very interesting production. It was done with no set. It was an open, like our town, to the back right. of the theater. And they used just a few little pieces. Um, but I, I loved that production. And it was the, in some many ways, the antithesis of the one in Stratford. Right. Which only shows, you know, but then I've seen a lot of really terrible Glasgow Nationals. <laughs> I mean, that is a play that gets done to death. And I'm not talking amateur productions i'm talking no. professional productions that yeah just, oh my god well i tell you what man it can go on and on and on and that's with these you know old abe tennessee williams is you know at this point very wordy for who we are now in our society we want to keep yeah. things moving right my daughter looks at instagram and you know flips through that phone faster than anything and we just see images flying by our head so much and our eyes that yes. We're not ready to sit for Ibsen anymore. I don't think we really Sadly. have. I, yes, I don't think that we have the generations as they come up. You yeah, know, check off Ibsen. I'm not a big Ibsen fan anyway. Um, but you know, Shaw. I mean, love he's Shaw. Good. He's really good. He's good. But I think it was just because I saw Ghost and it was so bad. It was yeah. so bad. I was in college and it just went oh, on sure. and on. I had to see it, and I remember being so tired. Um, but yeah. all right, so. You do a lot of, well, you were an associate artistic director, right? And not yeah. just freelancing. You got to do something that a lot of directors don't get to do and that you like to do. It's, you called it pairing, putting together two shows. And we talked about this the other day. I said, you know, what would be a good one would be <laughs> if you could do Madame Butterfly and M Butterfly. Sure, of course. In rep, yeah. Right. What would, what, what pairings have worked for you in the past? And is there one that you, or two shows that you've not had a chance to do in repertory? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, at Artist Rep, it wasn't so much pairing as creating the season with the, uh, with the artistic director. Absolutely. So, so getting things so that the, the pace and rhythm and, and reflections in a season is really cool. Right. And, uh, and, and there we did do this great checkoff project that I, initiated that I just loved, which was doing the four great Chekhov plays in world premiere 
uh, new adaptations of them. Right, so, and you had some amazing writers on those wonderful, too. Wonderful, wonderful writers. See, let me yes. just say who they are. Uh, you had Tracy Letts, who did mm -hmm. Three Sisters. Joseph Fisher did The Seagull. Um, Duchess of Malfi was also Joseph Fisher. And then yeah. Cherry Orchard was done by Richard Kramer. Right, and a wonderful playwright from Canada, we did, uh, uh, did Uncle Vanya. And I'm blanking on his name right now, it'll come to me. Um, but, um, so that was different. But in terms of an exact pairing, um, two of those that I did that I really enjoyed um, uh -huh. were um, uh, um, The Children's Hour. This was not an, uh, an artist rep, this was another theater yes. um, in town. And that was um, Boys in the Band and Children's Hour. Wow. Two seminal pieces of gay theater. Right. That, um, you know, I had, I, I always kind of liked Children's Hour until I directed it. And then mm. I realized, oh my God, she really created something amazing back in 1932 or right. you know, early 30s. I mean, way, way before it's time. Oh, oh, tremendously before it's time. You know what show I always pair with that in my head when I'm yeah. talking? Um, the Crucible. Sure. Very similar. Because if you wanted to do it yeah. and, and talk about the damage that teenagers and youngsters can sure. do and Absolutely. ruin ruin adults that really that's you know, a great pairing well. thank That'd you really thank good. you darling well, we'll have to do you. that we'll have to do it i'll direct yeah. you can direct yeah, okay. if and i listening yeah. I, if anybody's listening and wants to hire us that's please <laughs> we'll take uh, and it. then boys in the band you know goes it's fascinating to do that play and that play we did really it was two different spaces mm -hmm. uh, both very intimate but the boys in the band we did in an actual apartment so um, the audience was just literally sitting up against the walls in between the furniture and there and watching that happen in all the different rooms, off to the kitchen, the hallways, upstairs, the porch, you know, just all of that. that was Did really the tough. audience have to move to different rooms to see? No, they stayed there. They were stuck. They okay. could not leave. They could not go to the bathroom. They couldn't, there was no intermission. It was, uh, wow. and perhaps the most interesting thing at the end was uh, the last moment in the play, uh, Michael says to Donald, um, turn the lights off when you go, would you? And so Donald sits there and uh, he gets up and he gets his coat and he turns the lights off and goes out the front door and the mm -hmm. audience just sat there in the dark. And I, I just waited, I, I made them wait about a minute or two before the stage manager came out and said, the performance is over, you can leave now. <laughs> oh, you're such a manipulator. You're, I love it. That but is so that great. But that silence and feeling the tension in the room of mm -hmm. those people sitting there in the dark, not really knowing what was going to happen now, uh -huh. was great. Was that somebody was gonna really come in and turn the light on? Was it not over yet? You left them hanging. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. You have to be in the room together. Exactly. You have to breathe the same air, I think is what you said. You do. Ago. You have to, it's, it's crucial. And um, I just, for the life of me, I know there are visionaries out there that are figuring out where we're going to go from here, right? Yeah. I know they're out there. And those of you that are out there doing it, bless your hearts and keep it going. And I sit there going, God, I wish I could figure out how we would do it. You know, how, how's it going to happen? I thought maybe the public, um, Central Park, I thought they might even be able to do the show out there. Yeah, that's a big space. But you know, also, uh -huh. I firmly, firmly, firmly believe Theater has been on life support system, you know, the glorious invalid has been mm -hmm. on an IV forever. And yes. um, there will be a vaccine, this will end, and people will be back in the theater, and we will be back having those experiences. I mean, there's just no way that something that started with the caveman 
uh, isn't going is going to get killed. I mean, it's, no, it's, I mean, immediately people were trying to figure out what they were yeah. doing. And I know a lot of people, playwrights are doing five minute plays and hiring sure, sure. stars to do these, you know, readings. And I think, you know, give an actor a platform, yeah. give a director a script and you've got to play. I mean, people are wanting to do it. Yes. Um, and I think the longer this goes on, the more yeah. it's stretched out, the more people will be just chomping at the bit. And maybe it will be good that people haven't had a chance to see theater. Yeah. Um, and they'll want to go see it. But I think they did a poll just recently. Um, one of my friends who lives in New York and does Broadway said, you know, people aren't really ready to go into the theater again. No, no, no. I don't it's think not. it will be for another year. I mean, they've listed, you know, they've put out opening dates for like the Hugh Jackman M Music Man and uh, a few things that are coming up, you know, in Broadway. And um, I don't know if those dates are actually going to happen. They're not either. until next summer. But, uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, and it's not just theater too it's so much opera and um, dance symphony and the dance mm -hmm. and ballet i mean those are things also that's going to take a long time but they will come back they've lasted a while they will we'll have to figure out how that is and boy i just i'm i'm waiting to figure out how that's going to happen too. i know, I know um that i'm interviewing nathaniel shaw from virginia Rep. oh yeah Lovely yeah guy. i think we're doing it on july 26th hi nathaniel mm -hmm. um and so he wanted to wait until the end of July to kind of figure out what their plan was so that he could sure. kind of share it. And he may, he said, and I may not have any news to tell, but yeah. let's wait till the end of July, you know, to figure it out. Talk to me about being a, a London, New York music correspondent from 1984 to present. Talk to me about yes. that. Well, that's maybe one of the greatest joys of my life, I'm sure. I uh, started going to theater, as I said, very young. My parents made it possible that I could see many, everything in LA when I was growing up. And then I started going to New York uh, when I was about mm, 17, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Never missed a season. Um, I saw everything I could, you know, everything. And then I started going to London when I was about 20, 21, maybe. Okay. And I never missed a season there. And, um, and, and so it's a part of my life, you know, and I think, I think it's an invaluable part of my life um, uh, to, to see theater performed by so many different people and see so many of the same plays over and over. Yeah. Because, um, you know, especially London does all the, all those classic plays. I know. I've, I've seen like three ghosts, um, but uh, uh, no, but, no, no. I yes, can't. and one of them was stunning. Um, oh, you know what? Another one too was a midnight. I uh, see. Um, what is it? Long day's journey into night. Long day's journey into night. I call it long uh, day's journey into hell. Oh in my god! In a bad god. production, but in a great production. I one saw the, the Broadway one. One. Ryan Dennehy. Um, and uh, but Philip even Seymour that, Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman was brilliant in that. He was really good, but you know, he was playing a heroin addict. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he was amazing. And then it was hard to kind of think of him doing it again yeah. when you realized that he really did have a problem. Um, but that was an amazing show cast wise. Right. But God, you want to talk about actor masturbation. It's it went on much. and on and on. Yeah. And I'm like, for yeah. God's sake, get on with it. Yeah. You know? You should, you should watch the film, you know, the, the Sidney Lumet film is cut down. Is the is play it? is cut to about two, two hours and 15 minutes of a four and a half hour. And it's really good. I mean, Catherine Hepburn, Ralph Richardson, Dean Stockwell, and Jason Robards are pretty damn good. You know what, that's amazing. I will, um, I'll look into that because right Kate, now is the time for movies. It's one of the best yeah. Catherine Hepburn performances ever. She's I loved her. unbelievable. 
Oh, I loved her. Her Mary Tyrone is something else. Um, but anyway, um, so, uh, um, and, and I was also seeing a, a great deal of opera and ballet at the same time. I mean, I love classical uh, mm -hmm. work. So, um, and all of that, you know, just goes in the computer. I mean, it just, mm -hmm. it made su for such, um, you know, fertile ground to, to grow out of. Um, that I was influenced by a million things. And you started, and, before you even went to college, you went to Cal State for undergrad and yeah. for grad, right? Yeah. Um, and you went early and you finished early. Um, yeah. You started reviewing when you were in high school, I think you said 1976. I did. Yeah. Did you I make graduated. a lot of friends or make a lot of enemies with that? Well, I don't think anybody read it. I mean, I just, <laughs> I think there was a way for them, for the editor, you know, to fill up the pages. Because, um, I mean, who the hell cares what my 10 best films of the year were? Um, You're so uh, funny. Uh, so, um, so, but it was fun. It gave me a place to write. And it gave me a place. And, you know, when you're writing, um, and I think criticism is very, very important, especially if it comes from someone who really knows their Who's subject. knowledgeable, right. Um, and, of course, I was always writing from someone who had seen a lot uh, to the point, even by the time I started writing in college, I had already right. seen a lot. I kind of had reason for an opinion, even though it was just an opinion. Sure. But, uh, um, um, and it certainly helped as the years went by. I made it a point never to review work in the, th in the town that I worked in. <laughs> oh, smart man, never, smart ever, man. Never, smart ever. Smart man, never, uh, never. I actually really <laughs> wrote about only um, Los Angeles, uh, uh, New York, and London. I kept it to the, and then in later years, I went to Stratford and Toronto quite a bit. So, um, mm -hmm. And I still write, I still post things in just in my Facebook. I'll have to send you actually some oh, chat. Please There's some do. some really funny ones. There's some really oh, please do. Please send me um, that. Um, but yeah. so, yeah, so I, I still do it because I, I find it very, um, it's very helpful to put down on paper your thoughts about something. Mm -hmm. um, I have two more things that I want to ask um, about okay. directing. Do you have a book that was influential in your directing? Um, oh. Anything? Like I remember Essential Theater, Directors on Directing. Uh, I, I enjoyed Directors on Directing. I, uh, um, I enjoyed Harold Klurman's book. Yes. On Directing, very good. Um, and, um, but not really. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the directing, acting you can sort of teach and coach. Yes. I think directing is almost impossible. I do too. I didn't learn anything in a directing class. Um, I learned, I learned from watching, <laughs> you know, from watching uh, all the arts, because you learn stuff from dance and opera and, and music right. and everything. And uh, I learned from doing. I mean, it, you, uh, it's one of those things. Well, I had a really good um, directing teacher. He was ahead yeah. of the graduate directing program. And he saw early on that I was a director. He said, you're an actress, but you are a director. So right. he would have me come in and watch rehearsals. Uh -huh. and he really touted yes. me as a director. He was like, you know, kind of, he was, became my mentor, Dr. Kenneth Campbell from um, VCU. Uh -huh. And he is how I got my first job, my first professional job. Somebody called him and said, we're looking for a director. And he went, I know exactly who you should have. I was fresh out of college. It was right. that summer. And so he was brilliant. Uh, yeah. director. He created pictures. He loved getting to the nitty gritty of the scene. Yeah. You know, he loved John Guare. Um, he just, he was just, he loved it all. He took us to New York and I, I did have someone that I could That's watch wonderful. that I thought was wonderful. Oh, 
and I had some mentors in college. I had some brilliant mm -hmm. teachers. They just weren't right. my directing teacher, but uh, who was a lovely guy. But uh, but I did have two or three really brilliant mentors, including right. one who was uh, my acting teacher and history dra drama history, and she was incredible. I mean, she was really my mentor. Yeah, I had a lot. I mean, we had great teachers there, but Kenneth was in charge of the directing program. Sure. And so I really kind of did yeah, a double major. I went in as an actress and yeah. I actually, one of the other professors there who's, he's, they, they've both passed away now, Jim Parker. And I remember him uh, coming up to me. I was a sophomore, into my sophomore year going into my junior year. And he came up to me at the elevator in the Raymond Hodges Theater. And he said, you know, no one's going to take you seriously as an actress if you continue to do all this directing. Mm. And I thought, well, that's not very nice. That's an interesting comment. I, well, he, I think huh. it was him. I think he wasn't taking me seriously as an actor. Right. I was so much under the tutelage of Dr. Kenneth Campbell that I really wasn't, I mean, I was a good actress and I was focusing on that. Yeah, too. yeah. And I was there to get, but then I thought, you know what it did? It made me want to direct more. Of course. Of because course. I thought it was belittling. I thought it was. Sure. Um, and it I is thought, belittling. For, for, to say that to a, to a, to a young yeah, student, yeah. Thought, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to exactly. go for this now because it was just like, you have no business directing. You really need to be focusing on your acting. And I'm like, right, 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 whatever, right. Whatever, you know, but that's yeah. really what kind of catapulted me more. And I remember telling Kenneth that he had said that to me and he went, Jesus. I won't say yeah. what he really said about it. Yeah, I, I can imagine. You. Right, uh, you can yeah. imagine. Um, so if you then were to, John Kretzer were to write a book on directing, uh, yeah. what would one of the chapters be? What do you think you would focus on the most if you had to write a book on directing? You know, if I had to, at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> be forced into this position. Right? It's make believe, John. It's not. Uh, okay, uh, I would, I would, I would do, a, I would do a book about uh, how to prepare. Yes, because I got that you know you. that is not talked about a lot. No, um, there are lots of books about um, uh, you know working with actors, scene work, scene study, yep, taking apart a scene, all of yep. that. But um, how you get to be ready to do a script, right? I think is a really important part of it, um, and maybe casting too. You know, put it, the, all the prep work, uh, a, a book that takes you up to the first rehearsal. Right, exactly. Um, I think I would probably include, you know, how to talk to designers. Oh, of course, yes, yeah, all that um, story work. Yeah, how to talk to designers. I mean, at, casting actors and, and working with actors is kind of the fun part. It's all that prep work that needs to take yeah. place. And, yeah. you know, a lot of directors talk about, you know, blocking and creating pictures. And I think that's, that's important too, given certain, certain, you know, in, in tableaus that end a scene and things that bring, yeah. you know, pictures that bring up a scene and all of that. Um, but really knowing how to be a jack of all trades when you're directing, you need to know about sound, you need to know about lighting, you need to be able to all talk the talk. You need to be able to talk the talk like you are a lighting designer, like you are a set designer, because you've got to speak their lingo in every single in costumes. You have to know yeah, how to do yeah. that, right? Um, Absolutely. So that, I think I would, I would probably, probably write a chapter on that. Uh -huh. um, so is there any, I know you said you're watching a lot of movies and oh. um, yeah, and we're, trying to figure out how theater is going to happen again. Um, how long are you in California? Were you heading back to the beautiful Pacific Northwest? When oh, a few weeks. And, and then I'll probably go back up in, in August. I'm, I'm 
thinking I'd love to go down to LA. I have so many friends there I'd love to see and mm -hmm. uh, um, and a relative, I have an uncle I'd like to see, but it's, uh, LA is really dangerous right yeah, now. Yeah, and you know what, and I'm just Very. gonna say this, you know, being uh, halfway in the health profession too, you need to be really careful uh, you know, not going and putting yourself in harm's way. People that have chemo, people that have, you know, anybody that has diabetes or high blood pressure or any of those things. I have all of those things. So, well, I got high cholesterol, high blood pressure, yeah. but, you know, yeah. and I have type A, they're saying now blood type. Yes. Oh, I yeah. O's are the ones that are the least likely to get coronavirus. Oh. A's are the most likely to get it. I forget what my type is. I'm I'll a positive. Out. Oh, and I'm a, I'm a, a state, um, diabetic, um, diabetic, uh, you have diabetes. And so yeah, is it type one, type two, type two, type two. Uh, type two. And any, those are all what you and I have are called, yeah. actually, I'm, I'm married to a doctor. The it's worst. called a, a comorbidity. Yeah. That's a horrible way to say right. it. When I was pregnant, it was, right. called, it was called a geriatric pregnancy. And I was like, you are never allowed to call it that again. Not yeah. Presence, unless you want to draw back a nub. <laughs> comorbidity, my ass. You know, yeah. but there are people who, if you get it, you are more. Oh, I know. I'm not being so. You, you might want to not visit this year and maybe I know. next year. Be careful. I know. Yeah, I think just. Uh, but it's been. You know, I spent. A, I I loved a lot of the time. Being an only child was great training for this. Um, yeah. I like my my company, so that's fine. Um, and I've had a wonderful time cooking like crazy. I love cooking. Oh, I remember Jackie telling Jackie me. Jackie will you... tell you, yeah. Um, and then, so it's, that's been fun. And going back to my library of all the books and CDs, music I haven't heard in years, um, and all of the Blu-rays and DVDs I've got. So going back and looking at that stuff and having cool. the time to do that. And time to not feel guilty about doing oh, right. it. That's exactly. what I love is that you don't have to do guilt because everybody's no. in the same boat. And you go, well, what's right. everybody else doing? There is I no work. Have... No. So you go, so. I don't have to feel guilty about this. I'm actually watching a lot of TV right now. We're watching yeah. Billions. Billions is wonderful. I love um, Succession, sure. Billions. Uh, we watched Mrs. America. I watched a Grace oh, yeah. Frankie. I binge watched a Schitt's Creek. It's just been a great time for watching some yeah. really good television. And I love the little comedies that are like little nuggets, little oh, comedy yeah. nuggets. And you can do like four in a two hour stance. Yes. It's perfect. Um, but yeah, so um, tell me if you were not, I always end with this too, if you were not as talented and brilliant um, ah. and, and director extraordinaire oh, that you are, yeah. darling, oh. what, what do you think John might have done? I know very early on, you at age four, you knew you wanted to do that. But is there ever anything else that you go, oh, I would like to have been one of those? Well, at age four, I also wanted to be a fireman, which obviously was not going to happen. I think I just liked the drama, uh, the red, red, you know, <laughs> the red truck, uh, the outfit. Um, and um, I, I um, you know, what I seriously wanted to be, other than mm -hmm. a conductor. Conductor. I would have loved to be a symphony conductor. That would have been thrilling. Do you ever pretend in your living room that you are? Uh, I have at times, but more I love watching conductors. Mm -hmm. And I love watching, I was just, I'm just in the middle of watching the complete Mahler symphony DVDs with Bernstein. Yeah, I was gonna say Leonard Bernstein. And I've got the, you know, conductor score and I love watching. And when I would go to review the symphony, I would take the scores with me and check them out of the library and watch along just wow. to see what was he's doing. And I love watching right. certain conductors conduct. Um, 
so that is a dream job. And, um, and, uh, and the only other thing I've ever thought of being was an analyst, which I think would have been- Financial analyst? No, no, no. Uh, an analyst? A, a psychiatrist analyst. Oh, a psychiatrist. Oh, you mean, oh, okay, psychiatrist. Wow, yeah. how cool is that? Well, you get well, to kind of do all of that as a I do. I do, because conducting is very much in my head when I'm directing. Yes. I would never conduct anyone, but, but in my head, that's what I'm doing. Oh, and yes. analyzing characters. And body language you and know? all that. You, you kind of get to do all of it. Yeah. You're really not able to be, if you wanted to go to rehearsal in a fireman outfit, then yeah. you could really kind of get them all in there. But um, Yeah, or bring a Dalmatian <laughs> to work, you know. So Bring a Dalmatian and put a fireman hat on him. Yeah. Well, John, and, and, this has been great. I just you know, loved this conversation. And um, I wish you the best, um, you know, you. on your, where you are right now in this beautiful, what's the city you're in again now? Little town I'm in on... El Sobrante, California. It's that lovely. just sounds, El Sobrante, that just sounds it's so nice. she um, <laughs> Enjoy your time there. And then Thank on you. your, did you drive or fly? Oh, I'm terrified of flying right now. I flew like crazy. I used to fly all the time, but flying right okay. now seems. Yeah, I posted stuff. that the other day. Horrible. It seems horrible. I already don't like to fly and going to an airport with all the masks and the lines and people being oh. distanced and all that. I'm like, you would have to drag me, you yeah. know, kicking and screaming into an airport right now. Um, so yeah, I don't think, because it's meant to be enjoyed. It's not just meant to get you from place yes. to place. I think, the, yes. I think travel and air travel should be really she-she and fun. And it, they've taken all that, almost ever since 9-11, the fun part of it has kind of gone away. But um, yeah. well, I do, so you fly. So you drove? I drove and I drive a lot, but flying I do a lot too, but it's become so terrible before COVID. I mean, right. flying became really awful the last few years. It's gotten yeah. so it's not. Yeah. It's terrible. It's, yeah, you're right. It is. It's terrible. It's not very fun. Um, no. But I, I wish you the best. I'm sure it's going to be a very scenic drive back. Yeah, it will be lovely. And um, uh, I hope we get you back here soon too. I hope so too, because I love Richmond. It's just a lovely city. and. Well, and Richmond Wonderful loves you, there. and I yeah. hope that I get a chance to work with you sometime. That would be um, fabulous. Would that be wonderful? I'd love to work with you. And we can also do that time. pairing. Of, That's true. That's a good pairing. Children's like Hour that. in the Crucible. There you go. I love you. that. That's very good. <laughs> you you, you stay, can borrow it. Stay, stay very safe and, and well, and, and oh. really everybody in your family, just, you know, stay I, well. I will, and you too. And um, thank you so much. And so okay. I think we're going to call this an interview. And... Uh, Thank you. Bye. Well, I think that about does it for this week's podcast. I can't thank you enough for listening. Remember, you can find me on Facebook under ACT and on Instagram and Twitter under Acting Pod. Or you can visit my website at www.dawnwestbrook.com and ask questions, give suggestions, and feedback. But for now, as W.C. Fields once said, a man's got to believe in something. So, my noble artist and my happy troop of theater trolls, I do believe I shall have another drink. <laughs> May the footlights burn bright and your interactions, both on stage and off, be rewarding. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dawn Westbrook, your host, and this is Act. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Martha Hill Newell Playwrights Fund. 